Amen, amen. Well, it is a privilege to be here with you today. Um, you know, I get excited about when people call me young still. Uh, you know, that's a good thing, because I just turned 40 this year, and things are starting to break down, let me tell you. I was telling my wife just a couple months ago that, uh, you know, I work out, and that's one of the things I do. And it's, I do the same workout routine almost every, every day, and uh, seemed like I tore both of my rotator cups, you know? And it's like, it's three weeks after I turned 40. So, uh, I am blessed to be here today. I, uh, I appreciate Pastor Sheldon and his wife. Uh, he has been such an encouragement to me. I, I would just, your pastor, um, there's been times throughout this process over the last six months of us um, launching this program that, um, well, one, let me just tell you this. God saw fit to hire an executive director to come to Green Bay and plant this adult and teen challenge, and he would recruit someone, a 30-year native from Minnesota, of all places. That's what I said. I kind of laughed when God was leading me in this direction. And for the life of me, now, God had told me that he was going to relocate me one day um, early on in ministry. He said I was going to relocate out of state and that he would move me and my family east. Um, I had no idea he was talking four hours east to Green Bay. I was hoping maybe Florida east or New York east or something like that where there's some warm weather, but I'm still in the, what do they call it, the tundra, right? <laughs> but God saw fit. And, you know, one of the things that I get... <laughs> all the time is, what do, what do you think when I meet with people, most, most likely men, when I meet with them and I kind of talk to them about the program, um, what do you think is one of the number one questions they ask me? They ask me, are you a, they ask you that question too, <laughs> are you a Vikings fan? And I'll tell you, sometimes there's like this dramatic pause at the end of the question. And I have to sit there and I have to contemplate, like, how I answer the question may determine if you care about me as a person or is my safety in jeopardy. I'm, I'm trying to figure it out here, right? Well, God has been so good and faithful, and we have um, enjoyed being here. Of all, God planted us um, when we relocated here in October of last year. The Lord was faithful enough to provide a house, just a seamless process. We were selling our house in, in Minnesota, um, and just within the matter of two months, everything worked to the very day of us leaving Minnesota, and, uh, and God planted us in Pulaski, Wisconsin. So I'm a Polish black man now. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> well, I'm so grateful to be here. I just want to share a little bit with you. We have an information table back there, and uh, just some information. I, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about the program. The program is a phenomenal program. Uh, I'll get a little bit into that as, as it relates to my story and how that connects with this program. But um, there's just some resources. One of these resources is this booklet called The Cross and the Switchblade. Um, this is the book that started this ministry 60 years ago by a pastor by the name of David Wilkerson, who was from Pennsylvania, rural Pennsylvania. And um, he saw, he saw these teenagers in New York and that they were struggling with addiction and crime, and he felt led by God to go to New York, of all places, 
to start street ministry, and out of that birthed the first adult, adolescent, adult, and teen challenge, and now we have over 1,400 centers worldwide over the last 60 years, and uh, we have over 200 centers in the United States. So let's give God a hand for that, because God has been faithful. The one thing I would ask everyone to take, I know that, you know, nowadays nobody probably reads an actual book in hand, but hopefully you still read your Bible in hand. I just want you to take one of these bookmarks, and if you would, for me, please, these are like prayer cards. So do you stick in your book or you stick in your Bible? And I just, we need prayer. That it's not by might, not by power, but by God's Spirit will he begin to fulfill the vision that he has for this adult team challenge in this region of northeastern Wisconsin. The beauty in this is that God is so, so faithful. And he has been, as I got here, I didn't know what to expect, how many people would be, would be aware of adult and teen challenge, but I'll be honest with you, the ground has been tilled for years and years for something like this. So this is an answer to prayer. Many prayers that people have been praying for over, like Pastor said, 10 years, a decade, of them saying, God, please send something. Please send help. And I believe in Jesus' name that God is getting ready to change the landscape of northeastern Wisconsin, and he's going to claim, and he's going to claim it for his glory, and his kingdom is coming through this program. I believe this program is going to be a bridge that connects ministries, that goes beyond what denomination, because in the Adult Team Challenge, we don't care if you're Catholic, we don't care if you're non-denomination or Assemblies of God, like, we care that you know Jesus Christ. And if we can all agree on that, then man, we're in good company. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Well, today, as I've been praying throughout this week and asking the Lord, really for the last several weeks, what is it that he has to share with this congregation? And, um, and the Lord's been really hitting it hard on me with grace, really understanding that you can, you can bring up that PowerPoint now, um, really understanding, like, the undefeatedness of God's grace, that we serve a God that, that his grace is sufficient and he's faithful to carry out and heal and deliver any sinner that comes his way. Amen? So the Lord's been hitting me with that. And in one of the scriptures that he shared with me, that he placed in my heart, was in Luke chapter 7, 36 through 50. So if you would with me, please, if you have your Bibles or your phones, let's turn there. And that's where we're going to start today's message. You can bring up that PowerPoint for me, and we'll have it up on the screen here as well. So let's read Luke 7, picking up at verse 36. The title's called The Sinful Woman Being Forgiven. And one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining that table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, she began weeping. And she began to wet his feet with her tears 
and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who was touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of them both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, from whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with the tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began saying amongst themselves, Who is this? who even forgives sins. And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let us pray. Father, we come before your throne of grace. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your word. God, we thank you for this awesome truth. And Lord, and I pray right now, God, that you would open the eyes of our heart, Lord, that you will open our ears to hear what it is you have to say to us, God. As we talk about this miraculous, unexplainable, but yet powerful grace that you extend to a lost and fallen world, God, through the cross of Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we pray now that you will have your way in this time, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, as we read through this, I think there are some important facts, historical facts, if you will, that I think we need to, to convey what's really happening here in this story. When you look at it just from face value, you know, I think we can depict that God has, there's something happening here, and there's this, there's this exchange happening with two people. One, this Pharisee named Simon, the other is this woman. Now, some facts about this guy, Simon, and his party or his religious leader party that he come from is that one of the things about Simon is he was a man of prestige, a place of power of authority that was given to him by the Roman government. Simon was someone who lived and died by man-made customs called the oral law. The Pharisees claimed the Mosaic authority of God, which is we know as the Ten Commandments, the first five books of the Bible. Simon breathed the Bible. Simon prayed the Bible. Simon believed the Bible. He was highly esteemed, 
respected because of his public practice of self-restraint against sinful things and his association, pay attention to this, with sinful people. They believed associating with such people would defile and taint their righteousness. And what I love about Luke and what he does here in the gospel is that he is setting the stage for the doctrine of grace here. And he goes on to say in Luke 7.30, you don't have to turn there, but he, he makes a statement leading up to Luke 7.36, and he says this about the Pharisees and this Simon and this party, these religious leaders at that time. He says they had rejected the John the Baptist message, which was a message of repentance and repentance and baptism to be cleansed and be made right with God. Now, you have to understand this Pharisee, Simon, in this story, he rejected that message. He believed that God had no compassion or mercy towards people like this sinful woman in this story. In fact, he believed that through his rituals and acts and reading and and seeking God and praying God, praying to God, that he believed that in those acts it made him justified and righteous and he should deserve love from God. So that's important as we begin to dive into this text, that this is his mindset when this woman walks in the room. Having that context, let's read verse 37. And behold, a woman of the city, which is also translated in some other translations, the woman of the night, which probably meant that uh, most scholars believe that it probably meant that she was the town's prostitute. Now, whether we know if she's a prostitute or not, the the point of the text is, is that she was known to be a sinful person. That the lifestyle she lived was sinful in nature and completely opposed to what this Pharisee Simon believed. So we see she comes and she hears about this Jesus. Now you have to understand, like, this woman, she comes with an alabaster fast, let's just say a bottle of perfume, worth one year's of wages, which to me represents that she comes with everything that she has. She comes, and she had heard the message. Most likely, Jesus would go from town to town preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and that to carry on that John the Baptist had to decrease so Jesus can increase, so we know that. So as John the Baptist, as Jesus is going from town to town, he is preaching the message that John preached, and that is, you must be baptized, you need to repent of your sins to be saved which was a complete foreign understanding for this guy, for this Pharisee who kept the law, who believed, and for traditions and for generations, they believed that God expected them to earn the right to be righteous. And now there's an opportunity for it to just be that easy, repent and be baptized, 
when for years and years I've been studying and learning, and I mean, these Pharisees, they could recite, you know how we memorize scripture? They could recite, the, to be a Pharisee, you have to be able to recite the first five books of the Bible. So you got to understand what's going on in this Pharisees, this guy Simon's mind. He didn't hang out with sinners. He stayed away because he thought that, man, I, I want to be right with God. So it wasn't, it wasn't, he had great intentions. He believed he was doing the right things to earn God's favor and to be right with God. And this woman comes in, who is a sinner. She enters the room of his house to come see Jesus. And what I love about this picture is this, is that Jesus is beginning to show this guy Simon. I believe Jesus, we know God knows all things, right? There's not nothing that God doesn't know. I believe God knew this lady was looking for her. I believe this sinful woman, he knew she was looking for him. And that she would find him at Simon's house. <laughs> So this beautiful illustration of this lady coming, she enters this house, and she's holding this alabaster, this, this ointment that represents all that she has. She walks up to the back of Jesus' feet to the point that she's weeping, 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 that she creates this puddle above Jesus' feet. I believe she saw, and when she looked down as she's weeping with her head down, because you have to think, she knows that she's entering this house. She knows what people think about her. She knows that it, as it relates to the people around the table and the crowd, that she is a sinner. She does not deserve grace. She does not deserve anything from God. But she still hears this message, this message of the good news. And there's some faith taking place that's given her the courage to walk in this room despite what anyone's thinking about her, and she goes and she begins to weep. Tears of repentance. She sees Jesus' feet. She gets down. And she begins to take the hair of her head and she begins to wipe the dirt off of Jesus' feet with her tears. She breaks open this flask of ointment, this perfume, and she begins to pour it over his feet. Give him a little bit of a foot massage, if you will. <laughs> and while all this is taking place, this Pharisee, and she hasn't said a word, this Pharisee, Simon, he sees this taking place. And in his head, he's trying to figure out, and he says this comment. This is what he says. We pick up at verse 39. When he saw this, he said to himself, 
if he would have known who and what sort of woman this is is touching him, for she is a sinner. Pay attention to the word prophet. Simon was more concerned with trying to figure out the deity of Jesus being a prophet, while this woman was more concerned with Jesus being the Messiah. That's Jesus calling, better answer it. <laughs> he does that sometimes. <laughs> but, so Simon's more worried about this, that is this Jesus a prophet? More so is this Jesus the king of all kings and God almighty? But what's taking place here, church, is you can go to the slide here for Psalms 51. This is what's taking place. The psalmist David says this. He says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and repentant heart. Oh God, you will not despise. And what the psalmist is saying here, David understood, because when he wrote this, he had, created, he had committed an egregious sin of taking a married woman and impregnating her and having her husband killed and covering up murder. So when he writes this scripture, he understands that the only thing that God's going to respond to is not sacrifices. It's not reading scripture. It's not reading your Bible. And it's not doing all these religious acts. But it's this posture of the heart that says, God, forgive me. Have mercy on me, a sinner. It's this posturing of the heart that this woman is displaying to Simon. And in verse 41, it picks up. And Jesus goes on, and I love this because he, he sees what's happening with Simon. See, what, what I love about God is that Though Simon's heart is in the wrong place, he is the father of everyone. God wished that none should perish. So even though Simon and his theology is all off right now, and he's trying to figure out if Jesus is a prophet, not knowing that this is the son of God sitting at his dinner table, he's trying to figure this out. I mean, his theology is being all thrown off right now, what he believes. And really, what does Jesus believe? But in the, in the process of God having this interaction, this exchange of love with this woman, this sinful woman, he's also trying to draw Simon into the truth. And he goes on and he says, a certain moneylender, in verse 41, he gives this analogy, had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other owed 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, from whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. And this is what Simon didn't know what was on Jesus' mind when he said that. Romans 6.23, that says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by grace as a gift through the redemption that is found in Jesus Christ. He was saying, Simon, it don't matter if you sin 50 times or 500 times. There's only one way 
to experience the mercy and the grace of God. There's only one way to be accepted by God. And it initiates at the portion of the heart. The only way you can be declared righteous and holy and accepted by God is through grace and faith in me. Then turning to the woman, he says to Simon, you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet. Which represented he had no hospitality. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but... From the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, your sins, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But here's the catch. But he who is forgiven little loves little. Now, this is what Jesus was not saying. When you read that, it makes it sound like, well, man, Simon, you need to get out and sin more. (laughs) That's why you don't understand grace. That's not what Jesus was saying. But more so, he was saying this, that those who love much comes through their recognition of their sin towards me. That when we look at the perfect and the the, the sinless lambness of God, Jesus Christ, that when we look at his perfection, that we are able to see our sins, whether 50 or 500, that we cannot pay that debt. And it creates... this gratefulness, and it creates this humility. The beautiful thing about this story is, is that this woman walked in, a woman of the night. That was her description. That was the label on her, but she walked out a daughter of light. Amen. He said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And I'm going to have the the piano has come up now. And here's the point of the whole story. Grace that has the power to save any sinner who places their faith in Jesus Christ. That God has the ability to sustain that which he saves. And when we look at God and his sinless son, and we humble ourselves before him, that there's hope. There's hope for a new life. I relate to this woman a lot. You can bring up that slide now, the next slide. When you look at me now, I want you to look at me then. That's some of my best photography. (laughs) A drug addict an alcoholic, a drug dealer, an absent father. I was a criminal. 
was violent. I was lawless. But more importantly, I was godless. And it was 13 years ago that God, I like to call it, apprehended me by way of law enforcement. And I began to go, and I began to read my Bible. I grew up in church, but didn't understand relationship. I was a lot like Simon. I had religion. I knew how to go to church. We went to church as we was kids. My parents were addicts, so I, I saw a lot of things that no kids should see and experience. You know, being in the inner city of Minneapolis, being raised around violence and gangs, you kind of gravitate to your environment. Um, and when your parents are addicts, crack addicts, there's some things you experience as a kid that no kid should experience that God intended. But that was my upbringing. I lost my mother to alcoholism at 42 years old when I was 22. Already in my addiction, already in a lifestyle of crime, mama dies. I'm the oldest of three boys. So if I'm 22 at the time, I got a 20-year-old brother and an 18-year-old brother. Now mama's dead. Addiction has taken her life. My life spiraled and spiraled and spiraled. It became dark and dark and I became so far from God and I believe that God wanted nothing to do with me and really I didn't really have anything to do with God because I didn't understand, I, I, could, I didn't think I could live for God or that God had a plan and a purpose for my life. But it took God apprehending me and bringing me to a place in my life 12 years ago. And you know where I met Jesus Christ? It was in a jail cell. It was through a pastor who had a jail ministry, a little country pastor. He would come in every week and talk to his inmates about the love of Jesus Christ, the mercy of God, that God had a plan for our lives. But one time he came and I listened to him and it was like, you know, when the, preacher, the, the pastor's like talking right to you. <laughs> There's a room of people, but it, it seems like he's talking right to you. And I was having this moment and he said that he helped me understand the gospel in a way that I needed to understand it. And he said that you needed to remove the conditions of your surrender to God. And at that time when he said that, I had two-page scripture on my wall. I was asking God to get me out of trouble. I always ran to God when it came to get me out of trouble, but then I wanted nothing to do with him after he got me out of trouble. And he was teaching me that the gospel is not about, it's about Jesus giving his life so you can give yours. That it's a life for life. something began to happen in my heart because I knew what he was saying was true and I could see the conditions and I could see that man I, I really wanted God but I really wanted what more what God can do for me than want him for him and I had to I had to respond to that message 
And I remember going to my cell after that Bible study and hearing the gospel the way I needed to hear it. And I had to remove what to me was a condition, which was 12 years looking at prison. And I was so afraid of going to prison. And, and I believed that I was, God, I was so sorry for all the bad things I've done. And it's like, Lord, but I don't want to go to prison. But God, I'm sorry for all the bad things I've done. If you can save me, but not send me to prison. Uh, you know, I was trying to cut this deal with God. And he was telling me that I had to remove that condition if I really wanted Jesus Christ. That the only condition that I could bring to Jesus Christ was faith and surrender. And I began to get on my knees like this woman, and I began to cry at the bed of my jail cell. And I began to say, Lord, I said, God, even if it means you sending me to prison, God, I just want to know you. Hey, Lord, I don't want to live this life anymore. God, I, want to be, I don't want to be a fatherless dad to my kids. God, I want to keep making all these bad decisions. I want to keep hurting all the people that I love. That even if it means you're sending me to prison, God, I, I just want you. In church, it was at that moment that grace came in. And I felt this energy I felt like it was just a washing all my sins from my head all the way down. The next morning I woke up, I had so much peace, and I'm in jail. <laughs> but I had so much peace. So much peace that I started questioning, like, God, you must be giving me a lot of peace because you're sending me to prison, you know? So. And I know I can't go back on that, so, but that's probably why you're giving me peace. You're just preparing me for prison. In the Lord, I had never heard of adult and teen challenge. I had never been to treatment. And the Father in his love, he transferred me to a different cell with another native guy who had an application for a Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge. He saw me because I was so hungry for God. Every morning I'd get up before the other inmates would get up and I would run and turn TBN on Trinity Broadcast Network and I begin to watch Joyce Meyer and I'm watching all of these preachers and, it's, and, and, and you know, I'm in this pod where they're like, you know, nobody gets up before breakfast, but I'm up at 4.30 in the morning, you know, breakfast is six and I'm reading God's word and I'm going to the bathroom just to find some space to be able to pray. And I didn't even really know how to pray. I didn't know theology. All I knew is that God more of you and less of me. And I would just get on my knees like this lady and I, like she didn't say a word, but I, I didn't know how to pray. But I was like, God, more of you, less of me. God, more of you, less of me. And the more I said that, the more peace came, the more joy came. And on the day, I, I took responsibility for my actions. And on sentencing day, the day that I should have went to prison, the day I deserved to go to prison, be clear about that, God decided to work through a judge that day. And the judge, against reasoning, against my track record, <laughs> against the prosecutor who, was the, who did a good job proving that I should go to prison. <laughs> Phenomenal job. <laughs> I mean, he did such a good, I just knew I was going. I'm in this courtroom and I'm like, man, he, he did a really good job. I'm probably going to prison. <laughs> but 
still afraid, but yet still by faith trusting God that, Lord, no matter what happens, I'm in your hands, Lord. You have me, God, that I know your grace, Lord. If it saved me, it'll sustain me through whatever. And as I sit there and this judge looks at me sternly in the face, he says, but Sean, this goes against my better judgment. I'll never forget these words. He says, it goes against my better judgment. But he said, I'm going to sentence you to Teen Challenge instead of sending you to prison for 68 months. And he said, but I'm going to tell you, sir, if you come back to my courtroom and you don't make this program work for you, you are going straight to prison. Do not pass go. <laughs> straight to jail. And I experienced the undeserved mercy of God, really, for the first time. That it was nothing that I could have done to have earned God to sentence me to adult and teen challenge, but because I had surrendered to the Lord, that was his path and his will and his purpose for my life. That led to me finishing the program, me being discipled, me being healed of my past, and God raising me up and showing me that I had a gift to preach and I had this gift of ministry and I had all of these attributes about myself that I didn't know because of the drugs and the alcohol and the lies were drowning it all out. That when I had peace, that surpass understanding, I can hear the voice of God. I can hear God declare his will and his purpose for my life. And in that, folks, he blessed me with the next slide. I went from those three mugshots to a God who restores. Now, I can tell you when I was sitting in that jail cell and you look up there, my two older kids were eight years old at the time. 21 and 20 now I can tell you that there's no way you could have told me that this is where God where my life would end up with the Lord but that's what grace does that when we allow Jesus to come in that God's grace has the power to save any soul I'm going to end here with my life verse when I was graduating Teen Challenge, it was um, December, December 30th. And here's a caveat to this. I know I'm over time, Pastor, so please just give me three more minutes. <laughs> I graduated, I came in the program December 1st, to December 8th, 2008. I graduated the program on December 30th, 2009. Guess what December 30th is? It's my wife's birthday. Ain't that cool? The day I was getting ready to start a new beginning was the day that she was born. It was one of the signs that the Lord showed me that she was my wife. <laughs> but church, God just doesn't give us grace for us. He calls us to much more to use his grace for. And my life verse is this. First Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. In other translation, he says that everyone should accept. That's a believer. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And Paul says, of who I am the worst. But God, but for that reason, I was shown mercy. So that in me, the worst sinners, like myself, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience 
as an example for those who will believe in him and receive eternal life. To the King of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor, glory forever and ever. Amen. The last slide is that God wants us. Grace comes to us to flow through us. Amen. That God intended for us to receive his grace and that we should be just like the people in and when we look in the Bible stories, when people would get healed, they could not stop going and tell everybody in the world about what Jesus has done for them. And church, that's why I'm here today. That there's no reason why I should be standing on this stage. I do not deserve anything. I don't deserve to be the executive director. I don't deserve the wife that the God's given me. I don't deserve that beautiful picture of my family. But God. But God says, we are worthy. And you know why he said that and how he said that? It was through the cross. But God calls us to transfer that grace, to be conduits of grace. And that brings me to the last slide. That's the ministry of Adult and Teen Challenge, Northeastern Wisconsin, is that we are a ministry of grace of broken people, of people like myself who were hopeless, who felt like when you're in addiction, you can't see the light of day. You're so entrapped, as, as Pastor was praying this morning in the leadership prayer, he talked about Jesus setting the captives free. Those who are enslaved to sin. And this is an opportunity, and this is going to be a platform, I believe, a conduit for God to extend his grace to those people who were much like myself in the past, who needed to hear that God can change your life. And that's what I intend to do as the executive director in our ministry here in Green Bay is to help those come to a place where they recognize that Jesus Christ is Lord and God can heal and deliver them of anything going on in their lives and set their lives on the right path. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you, Lord. God, I thank you for your grace and your mercy. And Lord, I don't know if I did a great job articulating and conveying your grace, but Lord, I just believe that, God, you are the God Almighty, Lord. I thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord, because your Holy Spirit is what leads us in all truth. That, Lord, I thank you that through the cross, Lord, we have access to grace and grace more abundantly, Lord. But Father, I pray that, Lord, that we will continue to posture our hearts, Lord, that you say that, God, you resist the proud, but you give grace to the humble. And when we look at this text, Simon, he had an issue with pride and self-righteousness, and that prevented him from being able to enter into the grace, Lord, that this woman who knew that, God, she could not deserve your grace. But her humility, God, and the posture of her heart, of humility and trust, that, God, you could forgive her and you could set her path on a new life, with a new life. So, Father, we pray, God, we thank you for your grace. May your grace continue to help us and sustain us, Lord. And may you continue to empower us, Holy Spirit, to be conduits of grace 
to a lost and broken world who needs to know Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Can we please respond to Pastor Rishon? All right. Amazing grace. Amazing Man, grace. I love you. <laughs> I love you too, Man. brother. <laughs> I'm so excited. Let me, let me, so when I moved to Green Bay, let me give you a little bit of nuggets. Okay. Somebody came to me and they, they gave me some advice on my football selection. Okay. Yeah. And they, they communicated to me that when you live in Rome, you cheer as the Romans cheer. Uh, I don't I've know what that, that means. Before, yeah. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I kind of felt like that was a word from the yeah, Lord. Yeah, yeah. So, Vishan. So, we're at the beginning, I want to say beginning stages, but we're into it. Yeah. Where are we at? Tell, tell, tell the church Tell the so church where we're at. Where we're them. at. So, you know, honestly, we just finished our marketing strategy and our branding so that people can become more aware of what we do. We finished our website. So you, um, if you go back there and get some materials, you'll be able to get to our website. Um, and now where we are right now is we're waiting for God to give us a building. Um, we're waiting for God to show exactly where he wants to um, plant this adult and teen challenge. So please pray for that. Um, and then we, we need resources. That's, there's, that's, there's no secret about that, that this ministry is privately funded. Uh, it's really mobilized by the church for the most part and, and businesses and things of that nature. So we, we pray that you ask God to send us the right people to be able to provide the financial support for us to move our efforts forward. So. We just we just need the word to get out. We need the word to get out. So we're just you're pretty much just launching this now. Yeah. You know we this is one of the first churches I think you've spoken to two or three churches. It's, yeah. So uh, just getting the word out and 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 I think more importantly and you said it we, we just need prayer. We just believe this is a God thing, and uh, and I believe that when God gives vision, He provides provision. That's it. And that's what we're relying on. Amen. We're relying on that, and he, he works through His people. He works through His church. So I'm going to ask you, church. I, I believe this is a worthy investment. And I'm going to ask you this morning that you would participate in a worthy investment. We are a church that we are all about life change. Amen. That's what happened to you. Amen. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being transparent. Amen. Those pictures, man. Man, you are a rough looking guy. I know, man. I'm telling you. I know, huh? That God has given you some, <laughs> beautified you, and your yeah. wife has enhanced you. And, yeah. Sin makes you ugly. I know it. Doesn't it? <laughs> Being a Vikings fan, too. Yeah. Anyhow. <laughs> anyhow. But God's working. Well, I got a little ugly to get off me still. I got it. <laughs> okay. Serious channel here. Yeah. Serious channel. I would ask you, the church, to think and pray about investing in this ministry you can if you'd like to give online those who are watching online if you'd like to give online uh, go to our church website and and do that but i'm going to ask you that you do that this morning and um and so let's just pray for michonne and christy right now in jesus name thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you jesus thank you for your grace all of us here today because of your grace and truly god we are ugly in our sin your spirit comes and changes everything. I thank you for the joy of the Lord, the, the, the life transformation that has taken place yes, in Michonne's life. Yes, thank Lord. you for Christy and what you're doing in them and through them. And God, we are trusting in the God of vision. Yes, we are trusting Jesus. in the God of provision, yes, Father. Yes. And Lord, we know that it's not by might nor by power, it's by your spirit. Yes, and that's God. the way we're going to walk forward Amen. in this. And we're praying that lives will be changed 
in Jesus' name, that this story that was given this morning will be repeated over and over and over and over again in people's lives. Thank you, Lord, that you're the one who sets the oppressed free. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Give a shot another hand. Amen. Love you, Pastor. Hey, this is Sheldon Miles here, pastor at Thrive Church, and I want to thank you for watching this video. And if it impacted you in any way, I want to encourage you to do three things. First, become a part of the Thrive Church family by subscribing and following us. Make sure to join us on our Facebook page every Sunday. Second thing is share. Share with your friends, coworkers, and the people around you. The final thing, consider partnering with us financially. If this ministry is impacting you, I would ask you to pray about what you can give to help us take this message to the entire 715. And as always, we want you to know that you are welcome, accepted, and loved here at Thrive Church. And remember, you were created to thrive. We'll see you next week.